Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm so happy to be speaking with Anthony Stefano. He is the best-selling author of 20 Christian books for adults and children, including A Travel Guide to Heaven, 10 Prayers God Always Says Yes to, The Donkey No One Could Ride, and Little Star. He's also been a host of two TV series on EWTN and uh, really has been involved in a lot of different organizations, including the Knights of Malta, the Militia Immaculata, and Legatus. He's a longtime pro-life activist, and today I'm happy to be talking with him about his new children's book, Our Lady's Wardrobe. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Anthony Stefano. Well, thanks so much for having me, Father. It's really an honor to be here. Yeah, I've actually been a longtime follower of your work. So there's, uh, I've seen your titles before, and and uh, when I saw Our Lady's Wardrobe, I was really excited about it because, uh, as I was mentioning before we started recording, I uh, am a, a Marian apparition scholar, and especially on the Wisconsin apparition in Champion, Wisconsin and have traveled all over the world visiting Marian apparition sites and those shrines. And there's always been, you know, little children's books here and there about maybe Fatima or Guadalupe. But what you really do here, Our Lady's Wardrobe, is you highlight so many of Mary's apparitions. And we know in these apparitions, too, that she takes on different appearances, that she'll dress according to the culture and whatnot. So I'm so happy that you're sharing this book with children, that they might know these stories of Mary's apparitions. Well, thank you. Yes. And, you know, I've always uh, wanted to write a book on Our Lady. I have had a very very strong devotion to Our Lady for many, many years. Even from before I was a committed Catholic, I was <clears throat> I always loved Our Lady. Uh, but I was writing, I was waiting for the right opportunity and the right idea to come into my head. And you know, one day um, I was praying the Rosary uh, at uh, an Adoration Chapel, and there were some pictures on the wall of different uh, saints, male saints. Joe, Saint Joseph was there, Saint Anthony. And I just, uh, it hit me that, you know, whenever you see male saints portrayed throughout history, they're always basically looking the same. They always have the same dull, drab, brown robes. <laughs> but Our Lady, like a true woman, is always dressed in the most beautiful clothes, you know, colorful, uh, always modest, of course. And I thought to myself, it just sort of hit me, like, wouldn't it be a wonderful way to introduce children to the uh, Blessed Virgin? by uh, showing them some of her approved apparitions and describing the, the clothes she wore and what she did. And that would be a terrific way to, to just introduce them to Our Lady and also to the mission and message of Our Lady, which is to, to, you know, to bring us to Jesus, to bring Jesus to us. That's what Our Lady always does. And so that was the idea behind it, and I'm just really glad that uh, I was able to do it uh, and pull it off. Well, children are very impressionable. And when I was a young boy, and I didn't grow up in a very devout household, it wasn't like we were praying the rosary every single day as a family and whatnot, but my grandmother, who I lived with, was a very devoted person. She prayed the rosary, all of these things. And for me, when I heard the stories of Mary's apparitions, when I heard the story of Lourdes, when I heard the story of Fatima and other places, it really made an impression on me. And I think when we communicate the stories of these apparitions, it really reminds people that God exists, that heaven is real, that the Blessed Mother came to these children, and these children aren't just making it up, that they had these experiences, and now so many miracles have been attributed to the shrines. 
And that's why children's books, I think, are a very much needed resource to be able to communicate the faith, to tell the stories that make us uniquely Catholic, and really just to reinforce our belief about who God is and what God does and how he chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, our Savior, and also then to come with a message uh, to many of these different children. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely, Father. It's so important to capture the child's moral imagination very early. Uh, it, 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 if you do it well with good illustrations and good rhymes and, and a powerful story, you will literally captivate a child. And, and the impressions, as you said so correctly, uh, that you make when a child is young can stick forever. It can make, you know, I remember things. I remember books I read and images I saw back when I was a child. And they stay with me even now. I'm 54 years old. Um, so, so they, number one, they stay with the child. Number two, they prepare the child's mind for, to accept different kinds of truths that he will encounter, he or she will encounter later on when they read the Bible or when they get their uh, catechesis, uh, etc. So it's very, very important to, to, uh, for children, but it's also just as important for the adults who read these books to the children. You know, because it's not just the children reading the books, it's the fathers and mothers and older brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles. They're reading the book, and it doesn't hurt uh, to have a book that reminds them, too, of, of these miracles and these, in, you know, incredible uh, truths that we have uh, in our Catholic faith. Yeah, there is this way in which not only does the children learn the story, but the adults do as well. And I know probably, you know, on any given Sunday when we gather as a church community after the pandemic, that I will preach on some of Mary's apparitions just because they're so influential in my life. But I know that there are probably lots of people that just don't understand the the idea of a Marian apparition. They don't know what it is. And, and that's what you are able to do. You're able to share kind of the miraculous with uh, a wide audience uh, with your book. Now, how is it that you got into children's uh, book writing? Well, I, you know, I always uh, wanted to write uh, books for children, I guess because I loved to read. When I was a little boy, I loved to read books, rhyming books, as a matter of fact, Dr. Seuss, there were books on dinosaurs. So I, I always had it in my mind that, uh, that since I remembered these books, uh, and since they made such a big impression on me, uh, that it would be wonderful to write for children too, but not just to write stories about dinosaurs and things like that, but to write stories uh, that really meant something, stories about our faith. And I don't, I'm, I don't mean to criticize uh, some of the other children's books out there uh, on the faith, but they're, you know, some of them are a bit, um, you know, they're pious and they're good, but sometimes they're not really done up to the standards of the work that we see in the secular world. They don't use the best illustrators. They don't use the, even the book, best book bindings. For some reason, uh, I don't know, maybe because they, they're, they're not considered money makers or something, or they just don't have the backing of the big publishers. I just haven't been so impressed by the quality of some of the children's books on the faith. And so I had it in, in my mind from, an, uh, from a long time ago that wouldn't it be wonderful if I could get into this this uh, writing world and and make connections with publishers and then when when it came time for me to write books I would write books that were powerful for children and also make sure that they were illustrated by great illustrators you know and published by real big publishers 
and and uh, and that's been my goal right along. And and I think you know, like I've used New York Times best-selling illustrators for practically all my books. In this particular book, I used um, a, a fabulous uh, illustrator from Russia named Juliana Kolosova, who's you know been she's won all these different awards. And I just I, I just thought to myself, you know, wh- why not use the best for 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 our Catholic faith? Why why use something mediocre or or you know amateurish? You know, I hope I don't sound like I'm 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 being condescending towards other works. I'm just saying I think that we needed you know some more uh, you know some higher quality for the for the subject matter. So the book is called Our Lady's Wardrobe. It's published by Sophia Institute Press and. Basically, the concept uh, I'm taking that from the book is that Our Lady goes to the closet and she picks out one of her dresses that she's going to wear uh, for one of her apparitions. Is that kind of uh, the premise behind Our Lady's wardrobe? Yeah, the premise is that you know she, when Our Lady lived on Earth uh, and at the time of say the uh, Nazareth and the Visitation, she was very poor. She didn't have a lot of clothes. Probably, probably the clothes that she had were handmade clothes. And, uh, and so when she visited Elizabeth, her cousin, which was really sort of the beginning of uh, her history in, in the world of apparitions, because she visited Elizabeth and carried Jesus in her womb to Elizabeth, you know, and that's what, that's what Mary does in the apparitions. She carries Jesus to us in, on this earth. So I started the book with Our Lady of Nazareth, but now in heaven, she's got a mansion uh, and she's got a, a wardrobe full of clothes. You know, Christ said that in my father's house there are many mansions. So why shouldn't Our Lady have a mansion with clothes? Uh, and yes, the idea is now that she she picks her clothes carefully for every mission, and she goes and visits us and wears different things at Guadalupe and Mount Carmel and Lourdes and Fatima, and she does performs different miracles, and it gives children a sort of a, a smorgasbord of of Our Lady's appearances. And and the and also conveys to to children what Our Lady's main mission is, and that is to 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 ask people to love her Son and be close to Jesus and to follow Jesus. There's something also kind of like the line, the witch in the wardrobe about it. That you know, just as the kids in that book from C.S. Lewis, they go to the wardrobe and they enter into Narnia. In a sense, when Mary goes to this wardrobe and she picks out what she's going to wear, well, then there's this this mystical thing that happens in the life of these children. That uh, as they see Mary, that they're transported out of the earthly realm into something more heavenly. As they see. as they see Our Lady, uh, who comes to them from heaven. Yes, and, and, and we know that that's true in terms of, uh, like, for instance, when St. Saint, Saint Bernadette uh, saw Our Lady at Lourdes, she went into an ecstasy, and, you know, you know when, you, when you see someone from heaven, you are transported. But I wanted, and, and thank you for the, that is, it's very complimentary to have anything I've done uh, compared to uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, but I wanted this, to also convey a realism here, that it wasn't just obviously some sort of a fantasy world, but that this, is, this was really truly real, as you said at the beginning. And that's why I used an, il- an illustrator, by the way, who specialized in realistic pictures. I didn't want the book to be cartoonish, because I wanted a very uh, a great truth of our faith to be, to be conveyed uh, and that, namely, that is the assumption of Our Lady into heaven. We believe as Catholics in this beautiful doctrine of the assumption that, she, that Our Lady is in heaven now, body 
and soul. And uh, she's not a ghost. She's not just some wispy spirit floating around. She has a real, vibrant, living, breathing, glorified body. And when she has come to Earth and visited people, the, the children that have seen her have all said, always said the same thing, that, that she looks just, just, just like us, just as real, only more beautiful. And I wanted that realism to come across, not just about Our Lady, but, but I wanted that the, the message there to be about heaven itself. Heaven itself is real. Heaven is not going to be less real than this life. If anything, it's going to be more real, more colorful, more exciting, you know, more active. Um, so that, all of that is conveyed. I don't say that in the book, but I hope it's conveyed, you know, uh, somehow. And with all the different apparitions that you cover, these approved apparitions of Our Lady, uh, maybe already as the book's been out and people have been reading it, which which story of Mary's apparition do you think makes the greatest impression on readers or individuals? I think, um, well, uh, the Guadalupe, because of the incredible uh, clothes that Our Lady wore there, you know, the turquoise, the veil, and the, the moon and the stars, and the, of course, the significance that she was pregnant with the black ribbon around. There's so much there. There's so many symbolic things contained in, in, in what she was wearing. So Our Lady of Guadalupe, of course. And, of course, the, it's, I, I talk about that because when people ask me about Our Lady of Guadalupe and the meaning of what Our Lady of Guadalupe, of, of, of that apparition, Obviously, it's so uh, relevant to today. You know, Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared in a culture that was, uh, you know, all a child, ritual child sacrifice of the Aztecs, and she converted the, the whole nation of Aztecs. And, and our culture today also uh, needs to be converted in that way because of, you know, this whole culture of death that we're immersed in. So, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe is very relevant and powerful. And also Fatima as well. People seem to be very, uh, you know, always taken with the great miracle of the sun. You know, so, so uh, kids have, 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 you know, talked to me about that and said, what's that? What, what, what happened there? And, you know, it's fun to try to explain. Yeah, I think, you know, for children, these are some of the great stories that, as you mentioned, and, and I've, in my own experience, for me, I, I really love the story of Our Lady of Lourdes, but probably because we know people that need healing, and so we pray for them. Uh, if we visit Lourdes, uh, we, we pray for them there. I've brought back Lourdes water, and I've had the opportunity to pray uh, with different people to Actually, I've blessed a few children. There were, I think now I'm up to three children that I've blessed with Lourdes water, and all of them had the same affliction uh, with a growth plate, that they had broken their growth plate. And uh, I blessed the one kid one day, and then he told his he told his friend, and so that friend also had broken his growth plate, wanted to be blessed with the Lourdes water, and one of them went to the doctor, and the doctor said, "This is truly miraculous. You should not have healed from this." And and so I think sometimes these stories of miraculous healings as well uh, can can convey something uh, to to the young people, but perhaps it's m more, you know, for adults to appreciate the story of some of the I, other apparitions, too. I don't know. You know, I was very taken as a boy when I saw the movie The Song of Bernadette, and I was going to say that that apparition, uh, Lords and St. Bernadette, and the story of the grotto, and so at nighttime with the candles, it's, it's got all the elements of power to, to captivate a child's imagination. And the fact that Our Lady made a spring 
uh, a water spring that healed people, uh, especially in this time, uh, you know, especially in this time with this whole pandemic, we're a world in need of healing. So I think that the message of, uh, of, of, of Our Lady of Lords about repenting, turning back to her son, and, and that you will be healed as a result in some way, is, uh, is a very relevant message for today, and one that is, uh, you know, has, has the power to captivate children as well as adults. I, and by the way, Father, I got a chance to go to Lourdes, too, with my wife a couple of years ago during the winter time, and it was really, uh, I, you know, I don't know what your experience was there, uh, but it, there were no tourists when I went, and we were able to go at like 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and it was cold winter, and we were able to, we had to have the place all to ourselves practically and pray right there on the spot where St. Bernadette uh, prayed, uh, and it was really moving, uh, really beautiful. Actually, one of my trips to Lourdes was in January. It was really cold and rainy and everything, but you're right. That's the off-season when if you go in the winter, and you really have the shrine to yourself almost, that you're able to pray there and just to be caught up in the beauty of Lourdes. And, and people will be caught up in the beauty of all of these Marian apparitions when they check out your book, Our Lady's Wardrobe, from Sophia Institute Press. Uh, they'll just see how beautiful the Blessed Mother really is and how she appears uh, to all of these different people and gives them messages and, and really how that's made such an impact uh, in so many lives uh, of people. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful that uh, you know it will reinforce even more with the adults who read it and the children that that they should never be afraid to love Mary. They should never think that it somehow takes away from their love of Jesus. You know, you, we no matter how much we love Mary or devoted to Mary, we can never be uh, we can never love her or be devoted to her as her son is, as Jesus is. So we can never top him, and we're we're called to be Christ-like. So loving Mary, being devoted to Mary, only leads us to greater union with her son. I consecrated myself to Our Lady, you know, in my late 20s before I wrote any books, and, uh, and, 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 and I, I prayed to God at that time, I helped, you know, let me be an author. You know, I, I didn't have any ideas for any books. After I consecrated myself to Our Lady, the ideas just didn't stop. They, they keep coming, and, and, and all of my books have been about Christ. And this is the only book that's been about Mary. So certainly, if if uh, you know if devotion to Mary, you know, led to some sort of idolatry or Mariolatry, all my books would have been about Mary. But they haven't been. They've all been about her Son Jesus Christ. So nobody should be afraid of that closeness to Our Lady. I think with your book, what you're doing is you're introducing the young people to the Blessed Mother, introducing them to many different facets of who she is, from Our Lady of Nazareth to all these other apparitions. And so hopefully then, as they're introduced to the story of Mary and how she's intervened in history through these apparitions, well, that'll lead them maybe to pray the Hail Mary, or it'll make them think of the Blessed Mother in a new way, especially when they uh, appreciate uh, a Marian prayer or uh, when their family prays the rosary or they see a statue of Mary in their yard or at the church, that, that your book will kind of be the catalyst to a lifelong friendship with the Blessed Mother, knowing her prayers and intercession for the young people. Well, from your lips to God's ears, because if that was the case, well, my life would be validated. If that, if I could, if I could help uh, children at, from that age, uh, you know, and that's why we include the hail, uh, you know, the hail Mary is in the book, as well as you know, an introduction to the the rosary and the scapular and the miraculous medal. I put them all in there too, 
because children love, you know, things. They love to, you know, touch things. We're, we're all carnal. And so it's, so it's so helpful to have that Mary has given us these gifts, you know, to use to help us bring, bring us closer to her son. And so, yes, I'm hopeful that, that, that it will lead to more praying of the rosary and the Hail Mary and use of the miraculous medal and the scapular, et cetera. So one of the things that I like to do uh, as a way to end the podcast always is just to talk with the guests a little bit about their own Marian devotion to build what I call their Marian profile. So I just have a series of questions uh, that, that you can respond to and uh, really just to show that Marian devotion is unique for every person, that not everybody's Marian devotion is the same. As we talk about the Blessed Mother, she's a woman of many names, and you see that in the apparitions that you write about, that in Lourdes, she says, I'm the Immaculate Conception, and Fatima, I'm the Queen of the Holy Rosary. All the different names that Mary is known by and revealed as, do you have a favorite title of Mary? Our Lady, Queen of the Most Holy Rosary. Uh, the reason is because I have a strong devotion to the rosary, I think it is the prayer of the gospel. I think when you pray it, you, you essentially go through the whole gospel and get all those gospel truths. I think it is the most powerful prayer. So Our Lady Queen of the Most Holy Rosary uh, is the most famous, is the, is the, is the title that I, that I and I fa in fact, I dedicated the book to Our Lady Queen of the Most Holy Rosary. You mentioned just a few moments ago about different sacramentals, the rosary, the miraculous medal, the scapular. Is there a Marian sacramental that is a part of your devotional life? Yes, I, I have a rosary, uh, which was uh, blessed by several popes that I carry and say, uh, try to say every single day. I wear a scapular, a uh, Carmelite scapula, and I wear a miraculous uh, medal, which I got uh, in Paris, in the Rue de Bac, where, where you know, from where Saint Cat Catherine de Labre was, and uh, when she saw that apparition of Our Lady, um, and I've had for the longest time a ring with the miraculous medal on it. So I'm I am locked and loaded with Marian sacramentals. <laughs> Wonderful, and there are lots of different Marian prayers. Of course, the most popular being the Hail Mary, because part of it comes from the Gospel itself. But there are other prayers that saints have written, uh, like the Memorari, the Salve Regina, so forth. Uh, is there a Marian prayer that, that you're fond of? Well, I say the Memorari, especially whenever I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, I do one of the, I forget what they're called. Uh, I don't know if Fulton Sheen said it was a novena, a flying novena, or maybe that was Mother Teresa who said that, nine Memorares in a row when I'm really in a tight spot. And nine of them in a row is like a little uh, quick novena. I also love the uh, Hail Holy Queen, Salve Regina. That's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Yeah, so that's uh, Mother Teresa called it the flying novena with the memorari. <laughs> so uh, there's, um, with the rosary, you know, lots of people find it to be uh, monotonous. They find it difficult to pray or engage. Is there any tip that has helped you to pray the rosary better? Uh, to uh, to try to let your imagination go wild. In other words, there are days when I say to myself, you know, I'm going to, when I meditate, when I think about these mysteries, I'm going to just imagine myself, you know, in Nazareth or Galilee watching these mysteries unfold. I'm going to notice the details. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to be there. But other days I say, well, you know what, today I'm just going to think about how these mysteries might apply to my life right now. You know, well, you know, what is the, you know, the, you know when I was praying the rosary before this program, uh, you know, the, uh, the resurrection, 
I was thinking about how does that have meaning in my life? What do I need to rise from? What sins do I need to rise from? So I'll think about that. So, so there's all types of ways. There's no rules about the rosary. There's no different. You could think of these mysteries in, in a million different ways. You could think of them in terms of the lives of the saints. You could think of them in a, it just it, it, the, the, the idea is to flip the switch up in your mind, the imagination switch. Don't let it get to be rote. Just let yourself, and you know what happens? I've thought of some incredible, uh, I thought of my book, Ten Prayers God Always Says Yes To, after I prayed the rosary. I thought of this book, Our Lady's Wardrobe, after I prayed the rosary. And I thought of a couple of more children's books, too, right after I prayed the rosary, because I was praying with the idea that, you know, God, let just you use this opportunity to enter into my mind and, and give me grace and inspiration. And it works, you know? And of course, the children's author who uses his imagination all the time to write gives that as the recommendation, and so that's that's great. In the in the Bible, there are many places that Mary speaks uh, uh, different events in her life. Is there a favorite Marian Bible passage? You know, I put it in the um, in the back of the book. Uh, you know, naturally, you know, all all of the uh, stories from Luke and and the the Magnificat and all that stuff is important. But as a writer, purely as a writer, I just love the line from Luke one, where it just says, "In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary." I just think it's the most beautiful sentence in the whole English language. Hmm. It says everything there, and, I, and, and that's why I made sure I put it in the back of the book. And it's a sentence that changed the course of human history because we were redeemed. We had a Savior uh, at that moment. Yes. When your whole book is all about Marian apparitions, and it sounds like you've been to a number of them, to Paris, to, to Lourdes, uh, and probably other places as well, is there a favorite story for yourself of these Marian apparitions? Uh, you mean in terms of my visits? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Or, or yeah, no, well, general. I think I, uh, when I was at Lourdes with my wife, it was very special because, as you said, we were able to have the sanctuary area to ourselves, and then in the morning it was freezing cold, and we would you know, pray in the very spot where St. Bernadette was looking up at the, you know, that beautiful statue of her, and then afterwards we would go to early Mass in the, the uh, crypt uh, church that they have there, and, uh, and and then right after that, we would go looking through this deserted town of Lourdes for some, you know, hot coffee because we were freezing so much. Sure. Uh, but it was a very peaceful feeling. Uh, the other story I like, uh, by the way, is the Our Lady of Knock. You know, Our Lady appeared at Knock, and I visited there once before too. And she didn't say a word. She was just there, and 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 it's very mysterious. She didn't say anything. She was just there along with. Uh, uh, of St. Joseph and St. John the Evangelist. And that was always very, uh, you know, um, interesting to me. And I think that, that, that there's a truth that is contained in that apparition, namely that you don't always have to talk. You know, you, you, could, just, you, could, you could just your quiet, silent presence sometimes is enough to demonstrate love. And in this noisy, crazy world of ours right now, where everyone is shouting at each other, and there's so much, I mean, with the internet and the cell phones and everything else, just the power of silence, you know? And, and I think Our Lady of Knox's uh, appearance there uh, conveyed that. 
So all these apparitions are commemorated at a shrine. Shrines have been erected there, but there are other shrines to Mary just around devotional titles. Are there any Marian shrines that you visited, one that maybe is your favorite? Uh, you know, uh, in Italy there are plenty, and, uh, you know, I haven't been to the one in Wisconsin. But Our Lady Loretto, naturally, I'm a pilot, by the way. I've been a pilot since I was 19 years old. I uh, love to fly, and so Our Lady of Loretto is uh, one of the patron, uh, uh, patronesses of flying because, of course, the house supposedly flew from Nazareth to, uh, to Italy in the Middle Ages, and, um, and so that's important to me. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to write a book called Our Lady's Wardrobe too, for this very reason that many of the most famous titles of Our Lady uh, don't really have to do with apparitions so much as uh, events in which Our Lady figured. For instance, Our Lady of Victory, you know, which was very, very important, the, with the Battle of Apanto and, 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 and the Rosary figured in that. And Our Lady Star of the Sea. Beautiful. I mean, there's just so many beautiful illustrations that are possible because of this. Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Uh, it, so, so I think I'm going to do one more of these for Sophia Institute Press, and then there'll be a set, Our Ladies' Wardrobe one, or t- one and Two, and, and we'll have the, uh, the main titles of Mary uh, illustrated uh, for children with some, with some cute rhymes, hopefully. How beautiful. And are there any Marian books that you've read, any book about the Blessed Mother that you'd like to recommend? You know, um, true devotion to... Uh, the Blessed Virgin by St. Louis de Montfort was very important to me. It's, it's, a, it's a hard book in that, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not the most exciting book, but it's, it, it opened my eyes to, to, to the truth of devotion to Our Lady. It was very important, of course, for John Paul II, too. He struggled with this book when he was younger, uh, but it really was a tremendous influence on his life. Um, the works of Maximilian Colby, of course, and and the new you know the 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 uh, what is it called the the newer uh, consecration to Mary uh, by uh, by uh, that priest Gately, uh the thirty three days yeah, yeah. of morning glory thirty three days of morning that I find that very very useful I used to do the consecration the De Montfort consecration every year but I find the thirty three days to morning glory very very wonderful I've done it with my wife a few years in a row now and that really introduces people to to some great Marian saints. You know, and it's got some very, very outstanding things about it. And the last question for your Marian profile, when we go to Mass for some of these Marian feast days, like the Assumption or Mary, Mother of God, is there a Marian song that you hope that they always will sing? Oh, Ave Maria, (laughs) you know. I guess Ave Maria and and then the Salve Regina are, are, there are some, those those two. I think are my favorite. Sure. Well, thanks so much for sharing all about that, and especially about your book, Our Lady's Wardrobe, from Sophia Institute Press. If people want to learn more about you, how can they find you online? I have a website, uh, www.anthonydestefano.com. Sorry for the long Italian name, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty, uh, you know, pretty out there on the internet. You'll be able to find all my books there. Um, and uh, plenty of information about those books and about me. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to to discuss Our Lady's Wardrobe and to share about it so that we can get this book in the hands of many families and their children uh, so that they might know these beautiful stories of Our Lady's apparitions. 
Well, thank you so much for having me, Father. It's a real honor and a pleasure to be here, and I hope you have me on in the future. Yes, I hope so. When you come out with number two, that'll be great yes. to talk about that. So. Uh, you've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you like this podcast, please leave a review on it on whatever platform you listen to help others find it. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.